All right, back again with Ben to talk about Little Z. Uh, this time focusing on the second half, or what's called the second turn. Second turn, yeah. Yeah. The second turn, where we had our first episode talking more about Lacan generally, the second episode talking about um, the first turn of Little Z, and then this one, the second turn. So that's the focus. Uh, before, before we get into that, this will be found on Podbean as well, which you can um, find a link for it in the description below. Uh, and also, my Patreon is there for anyone interested in that. Um, if not, I set up some pretty funny goals that are worth checking out, at least if you're up for a giggle. Uh, ben laughed. Have you seen them? No, no I haven't. Yet. They're funny. It's like uh, one of them is like, I'll, I'm going to produce an album. Uh, <laughs> can I get my name in it? Yeah, sure. Is a song dedicated to me? Yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, but yeah. All right. Well, now, Ben, for those that haven't listened to the other ones, uh, okay. what do you do? Um, so I'm a fourth year PhD student at the Center for Theory and Criticism at the University of Western Ontario. Um and I'm writing my dissertation on Lucanian psychoanalysis and philosophy, basically. Yeah, it sounds... I still know nothing about psychoanalysis. Like, You know enough. <laughs> yeah, but like... <laughs> but like, let's be real. Like, psychoanalysis is something for me that... I don't know. It seems like every time I read it, I am more thrown off. Not Not because I disagree, but because mm -hmm. I have trouble, like... Okay, this is my problem. Okay. I don't know what the psychoanalyst is supposed to do. Sure. Which, this is all, like, a, I guess, uh, setting up what the second turn is going to talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, more generally, okay. when we think of even of, like, Freud, what is the psychoanalyst supposed to do? Yeah. So, we're, then we're talking about psychoanalytic practice. Um, and not... Where is it? Well... Yeah, so, I mean, psychoanalysis is, like, very much a form of, like, psychotherapy. <clears throat> like, to treat, to treat mental disturbances. And, like, it works through the talk, through talk therapy. Um, <clears throat> and, I mean, you'll often hear non-psychoanalytically inclined people say things like, oh, yeah, like, we might use psychoanalytic theory, but, like, there's like Freud's theories have been debunked or whatever like we don't practice psychoanalysis but like we very much do they're like looking in schools in like Toronto in New York in California oh I really and like there's like very prominent in Europe in France of course fair enough yeah and in Latin America really yeah how do they, how do they differ like Lacanian schools from like a Freudian one if you if you know like um <clears throat> Well, the, I would think that, like, the Lacanian schools focus more on, more on language. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and linguistic interpretation. And but, and um, Lacanian psychoanalysis also functions, like, through, like, the timing of, like, the analyst intervention in ways that, like, Freudian... <coughs> more traditional Freudian analysis might not. So, like, there's early in Lacan's career, like, 
he got kicked out of one of the first schools, <laughs> the first international associations for what was called the short session. Okay. Um, where the idea is basically instead of like sitting with your analyst for an hour and talking and talking and like you have an hour every time, the Lacanian analyst cuts you off. Um, they choose when to cut you off. Oh, okay. So like, and the point is to like, it's ending the session before you can say more so that um, deliberately. Yeah. Okay. So, because, like, when you get to over-explain yourself, you do get a sort of, like, satisfaction out of that. Oh. And enjoyment. Um, <clears throat> you can kind of explain things away. Yeah. And so, yeah. the point, yeah. like, of analysis, Lacanian analysis, is to leave you frustrated. Oh. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I mean, analysis isn't fun. Yeah. And I should say that, like, I haven't been analyzed, <clears throat> which, depending who you are... <laughs> may like totally disqualify everything I have to say, but like I think in like especially in the North American context, that doesn't matter so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> like I mean, it's harder to get find someone to get analyzed, and I don't think anymore that that's kind of the only proof that there is of like that there is psychoanalysis. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, there's obviously like, no denying that it's there. Yeah, that, that it operates. Um, so, like, to come back to your, I guess, to come back to your question, what's supposed to happen in an analysis is, like, it's supposed to produce, like, a subjective change in you. So, like, you come to analysis, like, because, like, something's going wrong with, like, your thoughts or your actions, you have psychical symptoms. <clears throat> and so, like, through, you work through your symptoms and fantasies with the talk therapy. Um, <clears throat> and then the big question that Lacan kind of touches on here and his predecessors do is the end of analysis. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which is, Freud writes, um, wrote the, I think an essay called Analysis Terminable or Interminable. Okay. So the idea is, um, <clears throat> Isn't out? Do you just like talk forever and like alleviate symptoms that come up, like an interminable analysis? But or like, is there a specific like subjective change that analysis can produce? Okay. That like marks the end. So. <clears throat> so that would, if I understand that right, that would imply that there's almost a you know roadmap with a destination in mind, like. Mm -hmm. It's not just yeah. looking for difference qua difference. It's looking for a certain kind of change or a certain kind of difference. Yeah. So, like, can uh, analysis produce a kind of subject, kind of subjectivity that um, would not be possible without analysis? Right. Okay. So, like, can it? Yeah. Because it's instead of just alleviating psychic symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um. Which we should, I should say, like, we can only do for neurotic and perverse subjects, not psychotic subjects. Yeah, okay. It's just analysis works differently for them, mm -hmm. which is a, its own question. But so can, um, <clears throat> yeah, can analysis produce, a, take a neurotic subject and produce, like, change their subjective structure, basically. Yeah. 
introduce like an analyzed subject or something. Yeah. 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 Well, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... and I mean, you kind of, and you, that's important to know for, you want to know whether or not you're an analyst, what kind of subjective structure they have too. And do you need to have this kind of, undergo this kind of change to be, become an analyst? Oh, I see. Question. So, okay. And not, I mean, that hinges on whether or not there is an end to an analysis, too. So the analyst is supposed to embody the, well, the, actually, I'm going to phrase this like a question. Should the analy- an analyst embody the change that they want mm-hmm. the person being analyzed to arrive at? Yeah. Well, I'm probably not. No, okay. <laughs> but it looks... The idea is like, does there need to be, do analysts need a certain subjective structure or right. you need, um, <clears throat> does, yeah, does analysis have to have a different aim for analysts? Cause you can't become a certified psychoanalyst without being fully analyzed and being authorized and, um, <clears throat> In Lacanian schools, they have a procedure called the pass, okay. which is we're not going to go into, but it's basically a verification procedure to like mm-hmm. um, decide whether or not you've been, um, yeah, whether or not you should be an analyst. Yeah, and part part of that process, not to go into it too much, but is you having already had been analyzed? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess so, and it's. You have to like decide to undergo it, and you recount your analysis to, I think, two people, and then they recount it to a panel. And then that panel. And so decides. if and that way it's functioning like your analysis is functioning through the big other too. Oh, so all that is deliberate. Like, yeah. Okay. It's Lacan like comes up with this procedure deliberately because the that process is supposed to embody or supposed to engender what he understands to be the big other that is you know yeah. society well it's, the large. idea is that like whether or not an analysis has happened like doesn't depend on the subject who's undergone it saying yeah i've been analyzed or whatever it should um be transmissible right without that subject sure yeah and so, but so whether or not there's an end to analysis and what an analyst needs to look like are related, but not like identical. Cause not everyone that finishes analysis becomes an analyst. Right. And not every analyst is the same. Yeah. And often, and you should ideally like people that go to school to be analysts should potentially come out of it not wanting to. Like, I think Lacan and, like, Miller talk, say, like, it's weird that, like, people would be psychoanalyzed and want to, like, be an analyst. Sure. Yeah. Like, it's not fun. Yeah. Well, and, I, like, I, you treat your analyst like shit in parts of it. Like, you fall in love with them, you, like, hate them, you... Right. And I just think of a number of other examples in society at large, like... The military. Mm-hmm. I have no have no reason or no understanding of well, why someone would join that. Yeah. But, but I um, mean, especially not after you've been to war and then you join the military. Yeah. But, yeah, for sure. Like if you do something like that, 
you can only join because you don't know better. But like here, the analysts should yeah, know better. Everyone, yeah, everyone should know better because they yeah. went through it. <laughs> but so <laughs> then the Lacanian question is like, what? What is the analyst's desire? Like, what mode of desiring? Is appropriate for an analyst. So, who's learning in the analytic process? Like, is it the is there analyst? learning in the analytic process? Is it the analyst learning about themselves? Um. Well, no, it's the analysis. So, we talk about in the analytic situation. There's the analyst and the analysand. Yeah. Instead of the analyst and the patient, because really it's the analysand who does most of the work. Yeah. Um, like you interpret your own symptoms and everything. You do all the speaking, you recall your dreams. And really, you only project a kind of knowledge onto the analyst. Right. They really don't know. Yeah. Like what your uncon- what's in your unconscious or anything like that. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. And so it's also not clear how, like, how much, how much of like an in-depth knowledge of like Lacanian theory you really need to function as an analyst? Too, <clears throat> like, do you? Is it all just everything you need to know comes straight from the clinic, or like, do you need theoretical yeah. knowledge? Yeah, and that's like these are big debates. <laughs> yeah, cue up this text we're yeah. going to talk about. Like, I, I don't know the kind <laughs> yeah, of apl- applicability you can find in something like this, but yeah, I mean, I would say. The theoretical knowledge helps you, helps you think things through at least. And I think you do find a sort of conservatism in analysts or anyone else who sticks like solely to like practice. Yeah. Is where you get all your knowledge from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Like, and it, I don't know. And I don't know if Lacan at all, like, meant to do this, but I find myself being challenged in ways I never thought possible when reading his words. Sure. And I don't know if he does that, you know, with intent, but, you know, I can't help but feel like he has a way of, I don't know, projecting his own kind of method into his Mm -hmm. theoretical work. So in that way, I see some kind of possible validity to, you know, analysts actually having, you know, a foundation with that stuff. But, I mean, I'm not, I don't know about this stuff. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is like... That makes me think of, like, one of the questions that interests me a lot about Lacan and is, like, his how he uses his own, like, theoretical insights to, like, produce his own work. So, mm-hmm. like, because, like, as you might know, he only, he has, like, a few essays like this, the Crete. Most of his work comes from, like, 27 years of seminars. Yeah. Which is yeah. spoken. <clears throat> yeah. And only gets, like, recorded, and, like, other people have decided we're going to, like, write this down. Yeah. So, like, how does, like, his, how do his insights inform the way this, that his writings function? Because, like, this very much does not read, like, a normal essay. No, it does not. (laughs) No, it's it's not an essay. It feels like a, like, a series of aphorisms of stream of consciousness. It's, like... It's, it seems to me almost like it's its own standalone kind of like artifact. Yeah. That's like, it's fun. It's not like, it, I think it would be wrong to talk about like, what is like, 
to read this and talk about what does Lacan think. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, Lacan wrote this, but um, it's its own. It is its own like functioning piece of writing. It's meant to like produce these, uh, leave or uh, imprint these ideas yeah. and like record them. And they produce like specific effects. Like <clears throat> when I read this, and like he's talking about topology and all these different figures, it's like I have some idea of like how these relate to the seminars or whatever. But like you still have to, <clears throat> like you probably come at it with your own ideas, and you, um, it functions by like creating these own these associations. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to work with it. <clears throat> yeah. And the first section of like part two is like the topology of surfaces, and he takes you from like the torus to like the Mobius strip, the Klein bottle, the cross cap. Yeah. And what are what are those? What are, what is the well, torus? <laughs> but it's like you have to like imagine these like different figures. You have to work through it in your mind. Or like physically. But you okay, you work through it in your mind based off the description he gives you? Well you have to like know what they are already. Know what they are? What these figures mean. Yeah. So yeah, how, like, how I understand the Taurus is like a like a ring. Yeah, basically. Like a hula hoop. Like a hula hoop, yeah. Um Mobius strip is like um how do you describe Mobius strip? It's, it's like a, like a, a ribbon a, that Yeah, but yeah. Like a ribbon, but with a twist in it? Yeah. But only one. And th that meets back to itself, forming a circle. A closed circle. Yeah. But... So... It's, yeah. Yeah, it's like a two-dimensional figure with a single twist. And if you travel all the way around, like on one side, travel the whole surface, you'll end up at the same position on the... Um, the same part right. around on, the circle. On the inverse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the Klein bottle right. is a weird... <coughs> yeah, what is that one? I was, yeah, I just had to, like, Google this, like, <laughs> before coming here. It's... So, a Mobius strip is, like... Or, I guess, a torus is, like, a three-dimensional figure. Yeah. Um, a Mobius strip is two-dimensional figure. Uh-huh. Put, like displayed in three dimensions so yeah. it has the two sides yeah and a Klein bottle is one dimensional right so I guess like we should say like the important thing to know about like mathematical topology is that like what matters are like the changes in space and, like <laughs> I'm looking it up yeah what, what, what matters with the changes in space not like di so it's spatial but it has nothing to do with like distance or like right any of the things we normally associate with it. It's like changes and cuts, and that's what... So the bottle is like... Yes. The, it's like a... What is that? Like a black hole or something? It's, it's almost... It's like a tube, but it circles back around, so the outside becomes the inside. Right. So imagine, um, like, a beer bottle. Uh, now imagine the tip of that beer bottle extending out and then swirling back around to enter the bottom of the or the side of mm -hmm. the beer bottle so that there's like a closed loop where nothing can escape the beer bottle as far as the liquid goes but it looks it appears as though stuff can go into it 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's if you have the chance, Google it because it's a yeah, it's a figure. bizarre image. It's so you could think of like a, an empty cylinder. Yeah, like a hollow cylinder that like circles back around at the bottom. So like a torus is basically a cylinder made into a circle. Right. And so Klein bottle is sort of like an impossible figure, but yeah. the bottom circles back around and becomes the top right but it's one dimensional it's only there's only one side too yeah to the whole thing too and that's <laughs> yeah okay well okay fine why does that matter yeah well, why is what, he why is he talking about what this? do these have to do with analysis yeah yeah um that's a good question <laughs> so let me say that this is what i think okay mm -hmm. so yeah. he describes a transition from the torus so that's the ring to the mobius strip which we described as like a ribbon that's uh twisted mm -hmm. so that you know you, yeah how he describes that transition involves something very specific and what that thing is a cut yeah a cut that if i understand it correctly is needed if you took the torus and you and I'm, I could be screwing this up because I'm thinking about this in, happening in either two ways. You take the torus that is the ring and you cut it on its edge. That way yes. you've severed the ring. Now if you, in a very literal way, twist that ring and put it back together, then you mm -hmm. form a Mobius strip. Yes. However, Lacan doesn't... He says, yes, in that process we see the Mobius strip form... But he says we should always be mindful of the fact that the Mobius strip is not in and of itself Mobius strip. It is product of that cut. Yes. And because of that, the cut is what marks it as the Mobius strip. That's yes. what I got from that. Yeah. You only... So... Yeah. You only through like this procedure on, operating on the torus. Yeah. This small twist gives you the Mobius strip. Yes. <clears throat> And then, so I mean I think we should like yeah just work through if you got these like movements. So how do we get from the? Do you remember how we get from the Mobius strip to the Klein bottle? Yeah. So, all right. The, all right. The Klein bottle. The Klein bottle. Okay. What do we got? Did you find it? So. Yeah. So, the where it start. The whole point is like we have a sphere, and then. Yeah, it's a spherical shape that you twist and turn to the Mobius strip um and he just look on talk is describing the transition from a Mobius strip to the Klein bottle as you're something about putting a hole in the Mobius strip right so you're turning a disc it's turning a disc into a hole yes um yeah okay it circles back around on itself <clears throat> Because that is exactly what the Klein bottle is. Yeah. It, it is something that comes back, okay, whereas the Mobius strip comes back to itself from one point back to another point, yeah. the Klein bottle, like, bends its own, like, figure to arrive into itself. Like, mm -hmm. not, it doesn't attach to itself, it goes into itself in a way that, like, makes it look as though it's even more dimensional. Like, it has more dimensions to it, but it, it in fact, does not. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so go, it's regressing while giving us something of like a like a depth that is only produced by more by more cuts, <laughs> almost. Yeah, it's sort of by like yeah by creating a hole, 
So whereas the Mobius strip, you simply cut the ring and yeah. twist it, here we're creating a hole. Right. And circling it back around. And then the, like you really do have to like look at these images. They're, <laughs> they, they're like impossible images. <laughs> and are just like, it's not, we're, we are describing them poorly. <laughs> <laughs> But we couldn't describe them in such a way that, like, you could not listen to them. Yeah. Um, and then the cross cap. Right. Um, is, yeah, sort of... I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> Let's, can we... Yeah, cross cap, yeah. So, yeah, the cross cap, um, we, the cut that you... Or we perform another cut after the Klein bottle. And there's basically like the t one of the sides flips and they the two sides meet each other um, but are distinguished by the cut. They're split. Yeah. And form a sort the same sort of spherical space. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, it's because it's topology, it's not really a sphere. <laughs> because like because <clears throat> what matters is like that there's the cut uh -huh. um yeah so then like why are we talking about these figures i mean i don't too? i here is, here i will if you can humor me mm -hmm. this is what i understood from it <clears throat> because i was asking myself that why does it matter yeah why do these cuts matter why is he talking about these surfaces well to me, he's describing successive phases, and each of these phases coming about via a certain cut. What yes. I often, what I also um, interpret as being a kind of the infliction of some kind of intervention, and in a sense, I see that as being, and um, could be way off base, no. but like the psychoanalytic process is that act of. I have two possible answers. Either the act of recognizing the cuts mm -hmm. and being able to tell a person, you know, over time or get the person to yeah. tell themselves, or it is the act of inflicting the cuts to yeah. promote that. Now, I don't know which it is, if it's both. It's both. It's, okay. I'm probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, like when we ask, like, what does the psychoanalyst do? Um, aside, like, beyond, like, attempting to give interpretations or whatever... Yeah. Like, there's... Lacan's trying to think of, like, these, like, structural points where the, where the psychoanalytic act has to occur. So... So are those, where, like, the like, cut points? Yeah. Right. Where the psychoanalyst um, can intervene in the subject's discourse in... of their own... Pers like, discussions of their own personal history and their yeah. symptoms where the psychoanalyst can intervene to produce a subjective change. Yeah. Instead of letting them, like, explain it away or mm -hmm. whatever else. <clears throat> yeah. So, by putting these um, <clears throat> topological figures first, he, where basically Lacan, I, think, I th would think, is trying to, like, lay out the structure that we have to think. Um, 
and then that gets filled in in like the practice of psychoanalysis. Right. So he says later, like structure, like topology is structure. Yes. Like full stop. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so this is like, it marks a change from sort of Levi-Strauss and like the structuralist before where structure was kind of a differential combinatory. Like we have basic like elementary structures, elementary points that change. <clears throat> Here we're talking about the structure of subjectivity and it's these kinds of shifts in um, subjective space <clears throat> that define the structure that he wants to talk about mm -hmm. instead of whereas like we, when we were talking about like the logical necessity and sexual difference last time this kind of structure is purely in the symbolic the, the structure that we find here with topology is in the symbolic no this introduces the real yeah okay yeah right yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. whereas when the structure of purely logical necessity of the differential combinatory um of structure and play are purely symbolic <clears throat> right so what where what these figures allow us to think is like basically a psychical space that yeah say more about that yeah <laughs> so um so psychical space is like basically like this space that kant describes in the transcendental aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> which one is it space or is it, is it time is it... i mean well i mean when you read the transcendental aesthetic, it's really weird. Yeah, no, it's that. Well, no, it's, it's really weird. weird that time is the form of inner sense. Yeah. Uh, like space being the form of outer sense makes sense. Yeah. But why? Like, it just seems like okay. We have inner sense. We have time. Yeah. And like, we need to do something with both of them. No, but we should add. He ascribes it to the soul. That's important. Well, yeah. But yeah, just. But like, I mean. Throw, just to throw that in That's there. true. He wants to save... I mean, Kant wants to save faith at the expense of reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's admirable. Yeah. Like, but, but so we're talking about space. Like, first off, Kant... Well, we're talking about space, like the space that's defined by language. And language as, like, the media, material medium of thought. Yes. <clears throat> and, like, it's worth noting that, like, mathematics, or, like, Kant wouldn't have had any non-Euclidean um, conception of space. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> like, mathematics was limited to, like, yeah. arithmetic, algebra, and geometry mm -hmm. until, you know, like, 100, 150 years ago. So... Um... <clears throat> He would have, like, thought of cycle space in terms of, like, a very, like, a flat plane. Yeah. You couldn't think of this kind of space that twists. Yeah, that, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, <clears throat> this, so when we're talking about, like, 
the subject that enters into an anal analysis. Um, <clears throat> this kind of flat space does is a um, is the torus. Right. You're kind yeah. of like average everyday subjectivity. Okay. All right. So that's why he starts there. Yeah. And so the point of the torus is not only that it's like modifiable into the Mobius strip. Yeah. Which it is. Um, but it, it's modifiable because its center of gravity is elsewhere. Like it doesn't belong to itself? It's in that. Well, it's. So it's a. It the uh, so it's a ring, but every point that it like takes up spatially, it occupies like out of like pure necessity. So it's only a ring because um, it circles around and because it's equidistant from an empty point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. So this that's the ring is the space of subjectivity. Okay. Um and. It's defined and articulated around um, a center of gravity that's elsewhere. <clears throat> yes. And so we call Lacan calls this space the not the dimension of space, but the d dimension. D yeah, i t dimension. Yeah, he's got a so, bunch of these little. This isn't like. So, so dimension d in French is d i t, which is speak. Yeah. Like speak mention. So it's like. Um. A dimension defined by like language. Yes, that makes sense. So the space, like the space, is defined by language. It's psychic space that only has like an existence in so far as it's like spoken or like. But how it's <laughs> constituted from the outside. It's it's yeah. it does not have its own. Um, it, it's centered, center of gravity does not come from itself, but as soon as we talk about this in terms of language, as I, I'm, yeah. I'm getting, uh, is that we've automatically deferred the thing from itself, and I'm just using that term just for sure. simplicity's yeah. sake, and now it, you know, whatever constitutes it, be it, you know, in this case language, is that thing that exists outside of it. Yeah. So is this why... Is it, as, so, a, as an aside, is this why Derrida didn't understand Lacan, or uh, why Derrida just stole from Lacan? I mean, uh, we're not even going to talk about Derrida on this time. <laughs> well, I mean, first off, like, Derrida and Lacan were talking about language, you know, much earlier than this essay was written. Yeah, that's and, right. I mean, Lacan told, straight up told Derrida, like, oh, you've just been saying the same thing as me in our, my seminar. <laughs> But also, like, Derrida came, comes onto the scene in 68. Like, yeah. And Lacan has been holding, like, you know, 15 plus years of seminars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, he's, Lacan might be right about Derrida, too. <laughs> <laughs> he could, like, he would have been nicer about it, but... Anyway. Anyways. So, all right, these surfaces, okay. right? So we have... So, um, we have subject subjective space is defined like linguistically. It's articulated linguistically around the um, the object of desire. But so we're relying heavily on the subject object distinction here, right? Sure. So <clears throat> one of the things, um, like I think in a lot of ways, like we've forgotten what this distinction means too. So like. 
we think of like subjectivity and the subject is like, oh, it's like the thinking thing that I think. Like, think about Descartes and so like, we think about Sartre. Yeah, really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whether or not we know it. And Lacan um, wants like wants to preserve the subject, and like people attending seminars are always like. Why do you talk about the subject? Like, couldn't you just not talk about the subject? Yeah. <clears throat> but the point is, like, subjectivity is what, like, emerges in the world mm-hmm. as different in kind from, like, the world of objects, right? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Okay, so does that give, then, a uh, certain credence to what we were discussing earlier in that we have to recognize that, you know, from analyst to analyst, there are going to be great discrepancies that... Maybe I will say quite vulgarly, we can attribute that to the, this narrative of <laughs> subjectivity. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what is more, the person being analyzed has to be recognized in their own terms. Yeah, it, they, it I, they have to be recognized in their singularity. Sure, yeah. That's, yeah. And that's like the defining, that's what analysis is really trying to get at, is the singularity of each subject. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> so I have another question uh but the, i hope it might be a quick one <laughs> is it a coincidence that he describes four different shapes or four different surfaces yeah topological surfaces and is it a coincidence that there are also four different discourses oh i don't know i don't know that's thought experiment i mean maybe i don't know and there are four like formulas of subjective of uh, sexuation yeah that's right um <clears throat> you like the number four well, I mean, there for. I mean, I think the correct answer would be the like four is reappearing of necessity. Yeah, I know. In Zizek, um, I mean, basically demonstrates that like the four formula for sexuation um, do follow the logic of like the discourses, the four discourses. Yeah, he has. I've seen it. It's like the unified theory of like the four discourses and the theory, formula of sexuation. Yeah. But sure. like it would make sense that like the <clears throat> the discourses which form social bonds um, do follow by necessity the logic of sexuation. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's an aside. I mean, anyway. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it makes sense. Like the answer is like yes, structurally, hmm. that there would be four points is probably. Deliberate. Not a coincidence. Not a deliberate, but necessary. So what do they have to do then with the real? Like, where, where does the real come in? Because to just kind of reiterate, so what we talk it's wires. Yeah. Probably ruining your day. Uh, the real, as we kind of talked about last time, is an impossibility. Yeah. The real is that which cannot, cannot happen. Can I say that? The real is that mm. which is... Um, Ooh. No, because the point of the real is that it does happen. Even but I thought it was like a... It's the impossible. The non-sexual relationship, which is an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an impossibility that happens anyway. That can happen anyway. Right, okay. So it's that's, an impossibility. We're talking about love or... Yeah, not right. just that, like, it's you put it out of the picture, like, the Kantian, like, thing in itself is an impossibility in that it's simply excluded. <clears throat> Okay, yeah. Whereas the Lacanian real um, is, like, distinct from, like, the thing itself and the noumena because it produces effects in 
um, in psychic space. Um, and it does so by way of like the logical necessity <coughs> that the formula situation lay out. And so that's why we can talk about psychical space topologically in terms of the torus, the Mobius strip, um, the Klein bottle, and the cross cap. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is like these by, or it is because the real intervenes in um, <coughs> psychic space and in the symbolic. Yeah. And is different from meaning, from reality, from this sort of like coherent space that you find Kant insisting on. <coughs> that we, that, well, because. <laughs> I mean, I so the, yeah, the real is. The is like an, produces these effects in psychic space as an impossibility so like these are all impossible figures right yes okay <laughs> so like that's what we mean when we're talking about impossibility mm -hmm. that it's the impossibility produces the figure <clears throat> it produces the structure of psychic space yes okay it's not so yet it is still representable is it representable as impossibility Right. So as so like, like logical necessity. Right. Like how these shapes for us are, we, you know, we can simulate them yeah. on a computer, but we don't actually have, you know, any recourse sure. to, we can't point to them out in nature. Yeah. I mean, you can, but they would not look anything like our figures too. No, no, no. There's, there's there kind of perfection like, behind if, them. Yeah. If when they're elaborated, they're almost unrecognizable. Yeah. The impossibility is like structural. Right. And the work of analysis is to kind of, is to find in the subject these, like, structural points of the real. Okay. Okay, what, what you might not have, have the answer, but what do those yeah. look like? Um, yeah, they're, well, they look like the, like the phallic function in, like, so they're, yeah, they're, I don't have an answer. And I think <laughs> yeah. it is, like, unique to each, like, singular subject. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> they look, and it is, like, sub the subject in its singularity as, so later on, Lacan will talk about, formulate the concept of the synthome and, like, the subject as are a fun as like a symptom itself yeah instead of like <clears throat> the kind of pathological symptom that would bring you to analysis yeah it was like symptoms produce distortions in psychic space in the unconscious but also enjoyment like you enjoy your symptoms okay um, the sub like you are also yourself a symptom <laughs> yeah and that's one of the more like radical implications of like Lacanian psychoanalysis is like I mentioned the so the distinction between subjectivity and like objectivity yeah. the subject object distinction uh -huh. is like the sub as like speaking beings 
we are like literally like symptoms symptomatic like points in like reality as such in the universe in whatever damn <laughs> so like this yeah the subject emerges as like emerges and is produced as like enjoying speaking sex speaking being yeah and like this combination basically the combination of like sex and language in like an organic being distinguishes us from like or makes us a unique kind of creature that like is like capable of like these great like civilizational like achievements that we have like art and culture the big other war and whatever and like is capable of tripping itself up is subject to like death drive right and like neurosis and psychosis (laughs) so it is from that combination language sexuality yeah language and sex that we see the emergence of anything at all no we see the emergence of the unique kinds of beings that we are okay so like there's in a lot of contemporary theory you'll find like these um accusations of like anthropomorphism yeah like oh like you're putting people at humans in like a privileged point <clears throat> and so we're kind of doing that <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the fact that we're humans like it's not that like god created humans humans are special yeah it's that speaking beings are unique kinds of beings and distinct from like the animals who don't speak and that's not to devalue like like your cat still has like moral worth like it would be like wrong to destroy your cat in the way that it wouldn't be (laughs) to like smash this cup on the ground right yeah but that like there's still like a fundamental difference what do you think about that cat it's like fucking adorable (laughs) I was petting it before we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and okay, that's fair. And, and I can so, start- like, we want to make that we like. We want to like preserve that distinction. Yeah, and it's language that distinguishes us. Yeah, but it like allow makes us like allows us to like elaborate our social lives, and our psychic lives. So is the task then to kind of, it, firstly, to recognize that we're always going to arrive at some kind of impasse because we are both blessed and cursed with this thing called language. Yeah. And it, it is by virtue of that then we our only recourse is to try to drive towards the best the best of all worlds with this you know demon we have strapped to our backs or yeah. So that's it. Like it's it's about navigating that this problem that we all mutually share. Yeah. I mean basically. Okay. It's that lang- yeah. I mean language like, once we're subject to language, we're subject to the unconscious. And right. We're, like, we're inserted into language as much as, like, we speak language. Yeah. <clears throat> and it colonizes us. It articulates our bodies, our social lives, our unconscious. Um, and the point, like, you could almost say that the point beyond, like, relieving psychical pain um, and suffering the point of Lacanian psychoanalysis is to learn to enjoy, like, enjoy by way of language, to enjoy being a speaking being. Okay. So, 
it's not just that like it makes it has these effects on you on your desire and your thoughts um that you don't know about that form the unconscious but that it also makes like a specific kind of enjoyment possible it makes like like intellectual enjoyment yeah <clears throat> yeah 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 for sure or like yeah and so the point is then is you also it like get articulated in your singularity um <clears throat> by way of language without knowing it yeah and you need to uncover that uncover how like your own enjoyment has been articulated without you knowing it and yes. you have to learn how to work with that yeah yeah so okay yeah. fine do you think that that moves us into the, the second chapter <laughs> i mean to be honest i don't <clears throat> or if you don't have anything no. more to say i don't mean i don't know if this like the second half the first half you could sort of read through diachronically we have basically like meaning and sense and then formulas of sexuation and then absence yeah and here um like we start out with the math with the topology yeah and it's basically re-articulating that in different registers right no that's true that's true so it's almost i mean i think would say you almost have to talk about it in like a different way I mean, okay. However you want to do it. But we could. I mean, we could go on to the next section. I, I'm open for for anything. If you're if you're like, if you want to represent this in that way, I've, I mean, <laughs> let's do it. It's because uh, I would. So, I mean, I don't think there's any. Like especially after reading this text, I was trying to think like, well, like what is this? Like what? Do, <laughs> what happened? Right? Like, I, I mean, do you have an answer? <laughs> <laughs> what, like, I... Yeah, what, I mean, like, well, literally, like... I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, there was a point... Like, I, I felt like I felt like I got it for, like, the first ten pages. I was, yeah. like, I was with it. I was with it. I got the topology. I think I thought I got the topology. Chapter two, it talks about like the role of the analyst, which we've already pretty much talked about. Yeah, yeah. And then, and like... then, and then it goes into like this weird section. Yeah, about chapter page ten. Yeah, yeah. When it's structure. Yeah, it lost me. I was yeah. gone. It, it messed me up. Same. But that's about where I stopped highlighting. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, okay, so here's here's like, why does it need to be so difficult? Like, but like, mm -hmm. why? Why is it, why do, does it have to not make sense? Because like I don't even know how I could understand it. Like yeah. if I, and I don't know if it's just because I haven't read enough Lacan, but like no. if I was googling, like I don't even know what to Google. Like I understand the words. The words aren't. <laughs> I know what the words mean, but like I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. So I'm like, w what is going on? Yeah. I mean, but, like, and like why? Like why? That's, Kind of like the first thing that I think should be like a consolation to anybody that tries to read Lacan's Ecre, his writings, is um, that I mean, he said he doesn't write to be understood, yeah, 
Fair enough, but like... But so, like, if you don't understand it, if you're confused, you're like... It's not because you're missing something. It's not because you don't know enough. Um, if you, th like, the second you think you've understood one of these texts, like, it's basically become useless, <laughs> and, like, you... There's nothing more you can do with it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but, okay, and this would be the test right. for me, because there, there's part of the... Part of me is, is like... Dude, I feel like you were just, I don't know, what was going on? You were just writing this stuff out as it was coming to you. You didn't read it over. You weren't, like, trying to worry if it made sense. And I would forgive that if, like, I could sit down with him and he would, and we already, you already kind of suggested that he wouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I could get an answer out of him as to what he was doing here, and then, like, a week later he'd give me the same answer... I, then I'd be like, okay, there's something here. Yeah. And I want to know what that thing is. But, like, I'm reading it, and I'm like, I don't know what the thing is. I don't know what words he's using. Or yeah. I, I don't know how he's getting at the thing that I don't know what he's getting at. And I don't even know if he's, like, himself is sure that he knows what he's doing in this yeah. process. Uh, sure. So are you confident that he is, like, or was, like, absolutely down with what he did here and was like yeah that was the only way i could explain this thing well i mean like he does he does say that this is like a synthesis of his like basically of like his thought up to this point what he his conception of analysis and what year was this again Tw uh, no, 2010 jesus <laughs> yeah 2010 <laughs> so i couldn't i mean in the 70s? Yeah, I couldn't tell you what year, yeah, but it's 70. written during Seminar 19, or worse, published during Seminar 20. Right. Encore. And or worse, is like, just been translated into English, like, last year. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of just registering this late part of his thought, and, like, or worse is by far the hardest seminar I've read. Harder, harder, this isn't a seminar, but like harder than this? I mean, it's on par with this. So, I, I but so, like, this is almost, this doesn't read like a regular essay where he's making an argument where he's describing something, like some phenomena. Yeah. Or like laying out a train of thought. But it is like highly edited and precise. Sure. And like, one part of the struggle of like reading it. Reading our translation is like it's translated like literally. Yes. Because um, the translator, well, because like the French is written so in such a strange manner and so precise. Yeah. And like they didn't know what to make of it. I wonder if I can bring it up here. Keep talking and I'll try to. Uh, yeah, they didn't know what um, to make of it. But that like. Because it's not, yeah, it's not making any kind of standard argument or like. Um, it seems so, to be all over the place. Like, there's no like. The way I think of it is like it's a linguistic tool to be like, or it's a tool to be used. Like it's supposed to, that's articulated linguistically. Like you're not if you, we could sit down and try and parse it word for word, line by line, or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> And you like you would spend the rest of your life doing that, and who know you probably wouldn't really get anywhere. <clears throat> but you, it does lay down the formulas of sanctuation in writing for the first time. 
Um, oh, this is the first time in his career we see that. No, he's well. He works on them in his seminars. Right. He spends three years working them out. Seminars yeah. eighteen, nineteen, and finalizes them in twenty after yeah. this. But they're published here, I believe, for the first time. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, it's the way I like read it is as something like something you have to do something with. Yeah. And I don't know what that thing is, and I'm. Well, I was trying to find the trend, the real version here, the French version, because mm. I checked it out another time, and we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, off speaker or off microphone, <laughs> um, and the translation is like really is word for word the translation, but like the translation isn't like a, it isn't bad. It's just not good. <laughs> if I could sure. say it that way, like. There are things that can't be translated, like there's the dimension thing, yeah. like the, you know, speak mention that can't, you can't translate that. And yeah. there's another one that's like après-midi, which would be afternoon, but like um, the play is like après-midi, after I've said or after um, I've told myself, I guess to some extent, that he plays uh -huh. with the afternoon sure. thing, and I don't know why, but he does. Uh, so there are certain things that yeah. can't be translated, but as for like... The general language, it, it. I feel like, it. It might just be difficult to translate Lacan. I don't know because I haven't translated it. But like, if you just do it mm -hmm. word for word, the magic is gonna be gone. Cause like, yeah. One of the specific things that I pick out, and that the translator would shy away from, and it's really difficult, is that in French you can have a pronoun le or la, which can sure. is is pretty much it. In English yeah so what often happens in French is that you could be reading a sentence and the subject that the le or the la corresponds to you can easily pick out because if you know the gender yeah of the okay thing, yeah you can know when they say like um, they, they make reference to it later because they use le and not yeah. la and you know oh yeah they're talking about that thing whereas in the translation they would just say it and okay, in English yeah. we don't have that so we're like uh, yeah I, at least there were moments when I'm like, I don't know if you're talking about, you know, you mentioned a few things here. I don't know which one you're talking about. Whereas French has a way to kind of yeah. get around that. It's much more, you can hold, almost hold more in a sentence. You can hold more in a sentence. And that's why French has longer sentences. Just like yeah. generally the French language, they use longer sentences. Um, and I mean, honestly, I think English speakers should not be shy away from using the same word more than once in a sentence. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. For this exact reason. Yeah. But, I mean, it does, like, it allows a kind of, like, displacement and, like, ease of speaking. Yeah. <clears throat> and it makes meaning, the meaning more, um, well, the meaning, like, appears in your mind almost more yeah. easily. And I think what we're working with here with this essay <clears throat> is like very much like a linguistic um thing that's yeah. like has an existence like the point is to create i th would think is to create something that has a kind of existence that doesn't necessarily need to refer to like or without like reference to its meaning yeah that like it continues to produce effects yeah um 
meaning effects, of course, linguistic effects, but something transmissible um, that's not limited to some like interpretation or some like to what Lacan really meant or like some yeah. phenomena that it's referring to. Yeah. It is the phenomena that it's referring to. Yeah. Yeah. It is like it's referring to like structural like necessities, logical topological necessities. Yeah. And like it's but it's not so much like trying to tell you what they are, but like displaying them for you. Yeah, but that's interesting, right? Because he like feels the need to sketch them in some way or other. Yeah. Where he has to lay them down in writing. Yeah. And even to, like, kind of locate them within these four figures of the, you know, the uh, the ring or the Taurus ring or the Taurus, yeah. the Mobius strip, and, all you know, all the rest. Um, it seems to be, like, to me, I was wondering, like, wh what is the point of even doing that? If we want to talk about, like, a, I guess, um, or an unstable kind of subject or one that kind of arrives via certain cuts. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he needs to almost give it this, these literal images that I find, like, for my own part, and I'm, this is me just trying to get into the Lacanian mind frame, sure. like, would seem to restrict, you know, what they could, what then subjectivity could mean. Because then yeah. it's like, oh, I know, you're, you're in this phase, or I know, you're here, uh, which... Maybe that's what they want to do because that's part of the project. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know do you, if you have no, anything yeah. to say to that. Okay. So yeah, the question is: Is it to talk about <clears throat> to talk about like subjective structure in terms of like these kind of like basically to talk about in terms of like these structural points? Um, yeah. I would say no. It's not more distinct restrictive um <clears throat> like we think about we people like to, in theory people like to talk about these like proliferation of difference of infinite difference or whatever yeah you think like we think yeah it that anything goes like whatever there's more but really the um <clears throat> like this is like an old old point from structuralism that it's only within limits like defined lim with like defined limits and rules that like we find infinite prolifer proliferation yeah so like <clears throat> yeah okay that there's like subjective there's like subjective difference like each of us is like singular because we're articulated within these very precise like logical like rules we like our articulation follows like logical necessity yes like <clears throat> yes so is, do you hate Deleuze no I mean I think Deleuze I know Deleuze knows this okay even and Derrida knows this like when he t we talk about like Derrida's essay structure and play um like we often think about oh like play is somehow opposed to structure right and that's like fundamentally not true. Mm -hmm. um, so think about any like a board game. Yeah. <laughs> the play like playing the game is only possible because you have set rules. So like if we take say if we take a deck of cards and we don't have any rules for what we're gonna do with them. Yeah. 
like okay what are, like <laughs> what, we'll, what next we'll, we'll look at them yeah. like, <laughs> like we will throw them around or whatever like and but that we might have wicked fun doing yeah that. but you can only do like one or two things and they're all like kind of stupid <laughs> right but once we start yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. playing rule like making up rules like okay yeah. like something to do with like higher and lower cards like now you can start doing things and now like you get right you can have like an infinite yeah. variety of like the game like the infinite instantiations yeah right yeah so what that's um there's always so what we're concerned with like in psychoanalysis is like the singular instantiations of subjectivity within these rules yeah and so like and the rules of like logical necessity not like cultural norms um or things like that which follow the same kind of rules of subjectivity as subjectivity which is why like Lacanian psychoanalysis has been so like usefully I guess applied outside of the clinic yeah (laughs) so it follows the same rules but it's like there's an infinite singular subjects possible with like one rule or four. Yeah. So, but there's greater like variety. Sure. When there's only, there's only like a few logical formulas that the elaboration of subjectivity follows. There's two. That's the point of um, the formulas of sexuation. Two contradictions that um, and they're by which you like fail to form a full subject. So, can, so what sense can we make of like the rules changing mm-hmm. or can I, can I say the rules are, uh, synonymous with the big other? Um, well, the big other establishes like cultural norms, establishes things within the rules. But it's about, like, how you respond to the fact of the big other. Yes. So, like, does the big other... um, Is it separate? Does it... Is it, the like, the big other... Like, does desire align, like, one-to-one with the big other? Or is the big other um, some in some way opposed to the law... Like, lay down the law of desire as something separate? Yeah. So, like, these three, those are basically the modalities of, like, psychosis, perversion, and neurosis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it all works. Yeah. And there's only three, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, what the big other is and says is elaborated, like, within these structures. Right. But so, okay. So, my question would have been then, or still is... How do we make sense of changes of the rules? Where does yeah. that... From whence do the changes come? Okay, yeah. I guess... You could almost say... Either, like, there are changes within the structure... Where you... Um, like, within, like, the... What are... You change what, like, occupies key structural points... Or something like that. Like... And then we're talking about like in staying in the four discourses, um, 
what is like the the like defining what's the word um what's like the organizing principle in like of, of like for a subject or for a social formation the organizing principle yeah so you're changing you can talk about changing the organizing principle um, are, you, are you still looking for another word no oh okay the, or- the organizing okay. principle yeah, the mas- yeah, yeah. so the master signifier in Lacan yeah or like so if you want to talk about um, changing changes in the big other you can talk about changing the organizing principle of the big other or changing your relation to the big other so and then we're talking about a shift from the all to the not all <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's like the thing. Is like you feel like you a lot of people like feel trapped. Like you read Lacan or listen to Lacanians talking, it's like you feel trapped in every point. Yeah. But also like you're st- you're stuck in these impossibilities. There's no way out. Like it doesn't sound good. <laughs> like I don't know why like. Like, we live under, like, the horrors of, like, capitalism and colonialism, and, like, we live in, like, a horrible social world. I don't know why you'd think we would have good things to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, why our diagnosis would be anything other than, like, what follows from, like, the way our social world is elaborated is, yeah. like, that you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But so, like, the point is, like, that it's still like nothing good follows of necessity from these social structures, right? From yeah. capitalism, from um, colonialism. But that doesn't mean that nothing outside of these structures can't emerge. <laughs> That's interesting to me because yeah. nothing like within capitalism will ever produce like of necessity another like mode of production but with the laws of capital defined we can um think of like the laws of another kind of mode of production or something like that yes and that's so it, moving it, beyond it comes that. from the inside yet does not well by like thinking of how this is sort of all these structures are sort of all-encompassing right like our social world and subjectivity our like own innermost subjectivity yeah you can't like it's naive to think that like this is going to lead you to emancipation yeah but it like makes it possible to think of something else maybe like something <clears throat> with like an struck these structures defined if it's possible that there's something else like outside of it another structure another structure there's no outside yeah that's why lacanian like the diagnosis of lacanian psychoanalysis feels so claustrophobic right yeah and like, oh, it's all encompassing. Oh, you're kind of being dogmatic. Like, first off, like any other like 
there are other, <coughs> yeah, people, other schools of, like, contemporary thought, like Deleuzeanism or whatever, are, like, much more, like, dogmatic and less creative, I would think. <laughs> and like, shots fired yeah for real <laughs> um and like are not nearly as capable of dealing with social phenomena in their complexity and in their contradictions yeah and make diagnoses like oh we need new possibilities of difference yeah or like whatever it sound they sound like utopian or like we need to erase like the human or sure um but, like, we want to, like, no, we want to preserve, like, what we are is, like, speaking beings. And, like, we yes. follow these, like, our lives and social world follow these, like, rules that, like, lead to what we, the conditions we live in, not arbitrarily. Yes. And don't, like, don't lead out. And there's no, like, metaphysical deep structure. Right. That's going to take us out. It's going to be, like, the well, contingent the emergence you... of the real. In the way that you phrase that, does, to imply that a deep structure will take you out of structure just implies that it's like know, salvation by you know the thing that you're trying to avoid. Yeah, you're bringing like cashing theology back in. Yeah, like that. There's some structure underlying like capitalism. Yeah, is like I mean is something you find in almost every other school of thought. Like <laughs> whether it's like Deleuze, like Deleuzeans talking about the rhizome like Zizek and Bedou like wonderfully make the point that like the rhizome is contemporary capitalism full yes. stop <laughs> or like other figures like Esposito talking about like immunitary paradigm like these deep structures that um, <laughs> have to in one way or another lead to like our contemporary social formations and as a good Marxist like I'm going to insist that's defined by capitalism, by yeah. the economic mode of production. Sure. You're couching some like the theological principle in like <clears throat> something about like the kind of like creatures that we are or something like leads to capitalism or something about like something from without like <clears throat> is making us act this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the kind of Lacanian explanation is that like, like, it doesn't matter so much what underlies this. There is no, but that this is like a self-reproducing structure. Mm -hmm. And like through, by, I guess I would say that like, psycho Lacanian psychoanalysis provides the tools to think of this. And as functioning on its own. <laughs> right. And through subjects. Yeah. So it's not imposed on subjects from the outside, but it functions through them, they reproduce it. Yeah. And impose it on themselves and each other. Yeah. Through the unconscious. Ex yeah. Because like, if you want to talk about like how structures work, like you have to talk about why we keep reproducing them. And like, how are you going to explain that? Yeah, without appealing to some kind of, or without um, admitting to some yeah. extent that there is something about structure that we can, simply can't avoid. Yeah. Right? Well, and that, like, yeah. But, and that it's like, we're either doing, we're doing it. Yes. I mean, I think, like. But, okay. Yeah. All right. So, we can only imagine that 
language arrived on the scene at some point. Yeah. And for the Lacanian, that point was the point that structure was born. Yeah, sure. And with that, the unconscious. Mm-hmm. So... How, and so, like, how do we avoid a kind of regressing to a kind of romantic vision of, well, let's just get rid of the language, you know? Is there yeah. a way for humans to go back to that point? And I'm not saying anyone actually espouses this, but... But they do. But do they? I mean, unintentionally. Okay. Well, or, like, that, inadvertently, but, like, you do. And you see very sophisticated, like, espouses of this. Coming from, like whether like post-humanism post-humanist talking about like oh like we need to organize ourselves like on the basis of like cellular yeah like structures See, or, like, to me that would seem like um like a mistake yeah and the reason i say that is because it, it's an impossibility or it's a possibility but it's a possibility that could only be arrived to by like pretty messed up means <laughs> Like, yeah, for ha- sure. Ha- it ha- often it leads to a sort of like fascist, these sort of like fascist solutions. Yes. Okay, so all that to say, like in in the Lacanian paradigm, I see the possibility for the same kind of thing that you're um, challenging or that you sure. fear. Uh, so yeah, and you kind of already. Okay. Told I mean, me wh- why you don't? Well, you don't no. Buy it. And like we, it is I think important. To to recognize that like we don't are like to take up these kind of, the kind of stances that I am is to like kind of refuse this question of origins like what's the origin of language yeah like where does it all come from sure it's almost like it doesn't matter like <clears throat> so like we talk Freud has this myth of like the primal father right that we've talked about is um this isn't he says it almost as if it's a thing that's happened. And, like, some people read it as if, like, yeah, Freud thinks this really happened. <laughs> but it's more that it's a kind of structural necessity. Yes. That's created retroactively. Yeah. So, um, like, Lacan, we haven't spoken about it, but one of the big um, points of, like, emphasizing language for psychoanalytic practice is that it introduces the ret- retroactive action. Yeah. So, <clears throat> signifiers produce meaning retroactively. Like, the meaning of sense only appears at the very end. And likewise, like, the origins of, like, our social formations of language only appear once they're fully formed, right? Yes. <clears throat> so, if you want to talk about going back to some, like, explicitly or not, if we're th- thinking about going back to some, like, pre-linguistic... Um, mode of being or like pre-capitalist social formation going back to like primitive accumulation these are all fantasies yeah that are produced precisely by what you're trying to escape <laughs> for what end for its own reproduction so they're fantasies of the con- the conditions that had to be possible for it to emerge for it to emerge like naturally when in reality so like to return back to capitalism like the myth of primal accumulation is that like there were some people that saved up money yeah and like then like capitalism formed through like yeah, yeah. saving and gumption well like no it formed through like 
the like pan-african slave trade and like warfare and like all these like violent contingent acts yeah um so like it is there's no it doesn't appear on the scene naturally but it creates these images of that like <clears throat> of what would have made it possible to appear yeah yeah to cover over its contingent appearance yeah. it's impossibility in what came before yeah and if i can put it in other words like it kind of whitewashes you're kind of suggesting this but like what kind of whitewashes its history because mm-hmm. if it can frame the narrative in such a way and, and even in the way that i described like the coming into language as being yeah. uh a, a significant uh, just a single moment that yeah. does you know a pretty big harm when it comes to actually you know tracing you know the genealogy of this development very much can be said about capitalism in the way that you said it where it's a lot easier to kind of think back to a time when it didn't exist because yeah. that you hop the, across the pond there you forget about all the shit that made it possible in the first place yeah. and then you can posit this kind of wonderful thing thereby you know perhaps inadvertently perpetuating it because you are yeah. erasing its history and if you erase its violent history you are able to affirm it in ways that you know it couldn't do itself. It appreciates. Yeah. Uh, so You're at least that's how I... You're working according to its like, own logic, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, and so, like, then... This, like, psychoanalytic point that we're kind of... Lacan's trying to make with this essay is that, like... Or to tie it back into this essay, is that, like... This own logic of, like, necessity and contingency... Um, and imp- well, these yeah, these coordinates are also found in subjectivity, right? So yeah. like, <clears throat> I don't know if we've talked about it, but like when we're talking about the logical formulas, like first off, Lacan like revises the Aristotelian configuration, yeah, by talking about it in terms of writing. So we have like, um, but so here, yeah, he talks about introduces it into language and time but so we have um necessity and possibility on the one side where like things keep going the way they are yeah and if you're a speaking being that's usually not very well right (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) or like it's accidentally going well yeah um but so when you want to produce structural change it has to um you have to negate impossible you have to negate necessity and possibility. Right. So the opposite of necessity, or the negation of necessity, is impossibility. Yes. Uh, and yes. the negation of possibility is contingency. And so that flips Aristotelian kind of every and everyday understanding is the negation of possibility is impossibility. Yeah. <clears throat> but no. The impossible has to emerge, appear contingently, to like avert the path of necessity. You could say to do something that's outside of the conditions of possibility, and that's where the analytic act happens, where the cuts he's talking about, the structural cuts, appear. Oh, a nice full circle. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you got anything Bring else? 
bring it back to our claustrophobic Lucanian <laughs> paradigm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What else is there? Um, I mean, probably lots. I don't know. Nothing. It's. I feel like we've come, like we've done. Lacan's like done a good job. You, we, you, we've done Lacan. <laughs> like I mean, maybe I just don't know, but like, I don't know if there are really any like English language like commentaries on this text either. I like found... there's like one that's been like translated by the same translator that did this. Okay, it's like two hundred fifty pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that one, Which and is, like, I, super I looked it helpful. up, and it. Um, yeah, I, I skimmed that yeah. to get a better sense of what was going on here. But otherwise, like, I've seen, like, some of the people coming out of the Slovenian school. Yeah. Who are great. Like, they inform my thought a lot. Like, then they inform, like, the philosophical take on Lacan. All the things I've been talking about, like, reality and whatever. Like, they've started talking about this text. Talk about, like, the ontological implications of psychoanalysis. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, like... Just like very brief mentions, yeah. like things that I've like picked up on. <laughs> it like might when... be funny when someone's like, you know, trying to look up stuff on Google for this, and they're like, "I give up, you know, I can't right. find anything." And then they click like the videos, and there's this series they'll of find... three. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they'll find me rant, saying things that like I may or may not want to like endorse <laughs> in a week. But I mean, I would endorse most of what I said this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, last time you have, you have some doubts. Well, yeah, it's because I listened to last time. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. No, like, I, I never, I never, well, I often have to re-listen to my things because I yeah. have to, um, my own stuff, I, I, I don't, I don't really edit them, but, like, sometimes if I have, like, a long pause, I go through and I, like, cut it out and I often end up hearing my own voice, which is the worst. Yeah. Which is I the just, worst. I don't know if I ever heard myself speak it's at terrible. length before this. It's awful. I hate my voice. Yeah. <clears throat> it's disgusting. Your voice is fine. Yeah, 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 and your voice is fine. Thank you see you. how that works? Yeah. Like, we all think everyone else's <laughs> voice is fine, but, like, when you I hear... Mean, I think it's that we all think our own voices are shit. <laughs> <laughs> deep down, somewhere. Maybe not so deep down. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think this is, like, one of the few, like, original English language commentaries on this text. And, like, you're, like, a true... Like, I can't believe that you let me do this why wouldn't I? <laughs> this is like a ridiculously like hard text yeah well that like uh, we're gonna sit down and talk about it <laughs> yeah i mean why not why I'm, not no it's tight i like i can't but, say like, that i fucking i gave much here but like you did you made it possible <laughs> i made it possible you you provided the microphone <laughs> you provided me questions <laughs> like if i sat down and did this on my own be like yeah what do i do yeah yeah, I mean, so, yeah. I hope that people stumble upon this and actually find it useful. Uh, I'm sure they will. Um, but with every, like, subsequent episode, like, the numbers dwindle. <laughs> like, you know, people are like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, how are we going to make it through yeah. this? Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. You got anything else? No. I think we've made good use of this text. Beat it to death? But, like, this is one we, well, could, we could, you know, if we, we did go, like, if this was a text we went line by line through or, like, section by section, you're very right. Like, it's something you could do. Perhaps yeah. it's not the best way to read it, 
But it would take so long. Oh, yeah. Holy Christ. Yeah, like, like I think the like large commentary I was talking about, or that I mentioned the, on it, I think the very the introduction, oh, I, wish I, I don't remember the author, but he's like, yeah, I did like six year seminar on Lacan's writings. And like, this is the one that stuck out is like, we don't know, like, I don't know what to say with it. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Lacan's writings are, like, hard. Yeah, like, they're hard. They're all, like, purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this sticks out is, like, it's, like, resists um, commentary. <laughs> like For sure. That's, yeah. But I think we did a good job picking out, like, a few lines and, like, a few points because that's like all we could do yeah that's all we could do because like if like no one would want to hear like it it, it's funny because like almost the only way to actually talk about it would be to just read it Uh, yeah because like that's what it would ultimately come down to read a read a section read a paragraph and like oh this is what i think this is about yeah but it will always just come back to well this is what we have this is the best we're doing with what we have <laughs> like, this is what it's <laughs> yeah I think we both like mentioned like not on the recording they like tr- try to take notes on this text you just yeah yeah yeah. I up, like, I yeah you just end up writing down yeah yeah what yeah. he says word for word yeah well when there's like a a single line that I'm like, okay, I think I get it. I, I ended up writing it down. But then mm-hmm. I found like there were lots of lines I got. But then when I actually tried to piece them together, not the lines with the other lines, but like in their context, I was like, I actually don't know what this means. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what is the point of taking notes? And I take rigorous notes on like pretty much anything I read. And this one was, I was yeah, forget it. And that's, I think like one of the things with like Lacan like that I find is like the best like reason way to get into like Lacan is to read other people like sure yeah you'll find they're like there are a couple good texts by like Bruce Fink or John Kopchak who like yeah like this is like like we talk about the symbolic imaginary real we talk about the different stages or like lay things out schematically you'll never find that in Lacan yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it took, like, someone else yeah. to, like, start laying out what he was saying in the seminar schematically. He's yeah. like, oh, maybe there is a system here. Yeah. But, like, so when I'm reading him directly, like, you want to, like, you do want to be, like, faithful to what he's saying, but it's like, you're not going to get at, like, the at, like the phenomena that Lacan's describing. Yeah. Through his texts, like, <laughs> so like when people ask me, like, yeah, I want to know like what Lacan says about the symbolic imaginary real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> but now, that's like, you can go read twenty-seven years worth of seminars, <laughs> but like, I can, you can take his essays and like say something about it. You take notes with yeah. Lacan. What's fruitful is like to pick up on the things that like, not both that you can like accurately like get at what he's saying because yeah. he is describing like real phenomena <clears throat> but you can do something with yeah it's like yeah not just like what is like the architectonic but like yeah <laughs> <laughs> where can i go with it what can i do with it what does it how can i think with it and that's what we've done i think that's what you've done i've been along for the ride you i mean you prompted me to do it. I've, 
<laughs> a few key interventions just got me to ramble for like 30. Here, here are the little prompts I provided. Uh, hope this helped. Yeah. So that's ex you made the few cuts necessary for an analyst without even knowing it. Great. <laughs> well, on that note, for anyone that listened this far, thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's oh. been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming. Uh, we'll have to do another one. Yeah, maybe Just we can read something easy by Freud. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've done the group analysis and psycho, yeah. uh, the ego and group analysis, group psychology and the analysis yeah. of the ego, and I didn't do it justice because as soon as I was finished, I was like, something didn't feel right, and then I went through like the text again in my notes, and I'm like, ah, I could have been more faithful. Uh, I mean, I read that in like a reading group a couple summers ago with a couple good friends it felt like felt the same it's like when you talk about like the kinds of groups you're talking about or like yeah about like the police and like the school or whatever it's like you feel like like you're not getting at it's because he's not getting at like really the phenomena that he's describing like he talk he talks about like group formation and like the formation of the ego it's about identification Yes, and that's something I missed. Yeah, I I was reading. That's something his words. that you're going to miss until you like read it, like basically until you see like Lacan's. Like, <laughs> no, see, he picks a, up like that's he, what I did wrong. <laughs> like people always say you have to read Freud before Lacan, but like I think you have to read Lacan before you can read Freud. It's a bold statement. Oh, hi. There's a cat yeah. here now. And I mean, Lacan would deny that too, okay. but. Yeah, <laughs> he was the only one to read Freud. <laughs> well, anyone who made it this far, rock and roll. Yeah. Ben will be back on again, I'm sure. And Thank shout you. out to the people who pay me to do this, Liam, Nicholas, and Salai. Thank you very much <laughs> for keeping such things alive. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace out.